Father in heaven, um, we come before you humbly. Um, you, are, um, you are our God. Um, you know how much uh, the verse means to me that says that you called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. And what a privilege, what a privilege that is, Lord. Um, and Lord, I just ask, you've saved us to serve. And I thank you for the testimonies that we've heard in word and in song. And I pray that you would use your servant tonight to share a little bit more of that glory of what you long to do in and through us. And I pray that those who need to hear this message would hear what you are calling on their hearts. And I pray that um, tonight I would be hidden behind the cross, that you may be lifted up, and that you would draw men to yourself. May we have a deeper walk when we leave here because of you, because we met with you, not your servants. We thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was September 5, 1987, 7.15 a.m. The surgery begins. Preparation for the surgery started five months prior, and it took a team of 70 to begin. There were seven pediatricians, pediatric anesthesiologists, five neurosurgeons, two cardiac surgeons, five plastic surgeons, several nurses, and several technicians and it had come to these final hours. The twins, joined at the head, shared a large major vein, the sagittal supersinus, superior sinus, that had to be separated and reconstructed. To do the surgery would require doing work with the cardiac surgeons. The neurosurgeon could not work on his own. At 11.10 p.m., they finally were able to separate down to the dura. The, boy, the boys, the two twins, their body temperatures were then lowered using hypothermia, lowering the body temperature from 95 degrees Fahrenheit down to 68 degrees. The purpose was to stop all the metabolic processes so that they could then divert the blood and allow for the vein to actually be cut and separated for each of the young boys. This allowed the physicians one hour, one hour then to separate the veins and the rest of the head, in addition to reconstructing the veins and restart the blood. The team work that ensued was described by the surgeon as such. <clears throat> by using 20 minutes to separate the vessels, this gave us only 40 minutes to complete our work. Fortunately, the cardiovascular surgeons had been looking over our shoulders and observing the configuration of the sinuses as I was cutting through them. From the pericardium, they cut pieces to exactly the right diameter and shape. Although they were estimating, these two men were so skillful that when they handed the pericardium to Long and me, all the pieces fitted perfectly. We were able to sew them into place along the affected areas. At one point, perhaps 45 minutes into the hour, I knew we were moving close to the deadline. Without looking around, I sensed the tension level around me increasing, almost as if the individuals were whispering to each other, are we going to finish on time? Long completed his baby first. I completed mine, and within seconds before the blood, and within seconds before the blood had started flowing again, we were right on target. A silence momentarily filled the operating room, and I was conscious only of the rhythmic humming of the heart-lung machine. It is done, somebody said behind me. As a pessimist, 
as I was going about the eventual outcome of the surgery, I still feel a glow, felt a glow of pride of being able to work side by side with the best men and women in the medical field. And the end of the surgery wasn't the end of our teamwork. The post-operative care was spect as spectacular as the surgery. Everything in the weeks following the surgery confirmed again our togetherness. It seemed as if everyone from the ward clerk to the orderly to the nurses had become personally involved with this historic event. We were a team, a wonderful, marvelous team. Without the cardiovascular component of the surgery, the surgery of separating the head and the brains of these children would have been impossible. But diverting the blood away to be cooled and directing the blood flow from the site of the neurosurgery site in and of itself was not the main surgery that needed to be done. It was necessary and even critical, but it was not the final goal. Yet without that component of the surgery, the main neurosurgery component could not have been taken care of. Turn with me to 2 Kings, chapter 5. We're going to go back to a very familiar story, the story of Naaman. Many of us know the story. You could probably tell it. If you haven't, um, I pray that you would be encouraged tonight. 2 Kings, chapter 5. It's in the Old Testament. 2 Kings, chapter 5, chapter 1, chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away a captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, would my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Here we find that familiar story again. The child. She has worries of her own. She just got taken from her family, and she probably has no idea what has happened to them. Can you imagine the depression that she's in? A loss of her sense of identity, not even in the home that she is in? She has every right to be focused on herself and to think of no one else but herself, to just do her duty and then go back and maybe cry. But yet, she sees in Naaman what her parents taught her to see in every person that probably came to their home, someone for whom God had and would bring a Messiah. But someone, inspiration tells us, her parents likely taught her about the God in heaven who's not only about an a, a person able or willing to bring healing, but one who uses even the humble, a child like her, to bring healing. She cannot hide it in her heart. I wish you and I would have such an experience, such an experience with God that when we see a person suffering, we would not be able to hide it, no matter what our capabilities. If it means that we go to the riverside and we sing, I pray that we would not be afraid to do that or not think it enough. Oh, that we would have such an intimate experience with our God, that we would know where to point weary souls, the human 
cooperating with the divine. Look at verses 4 through 6. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go, go. I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant unto thee, that thou mayest recover him of the leprosy. Do you understand that Naaman listened? It's a little girl, and he listened. He not only listened, but he believed enough to take a large amount of wealth and to travel to a land that he just destroyed. Okay. People that he had destroyed, and yet he was going to them to seek for help because of what this little girl had shared with him. The only way that an intelligent man like that, remember how he was described, right? This is his king's top official in the army. He has to strategize, think. He doesn't just make rash decisions. He had a reason. He looked at this and he had and saw in this young lady an influence that he could believe, an experience that was believable. And the only way it was believable was because she lived it out. He could trust her word implicitly. Her confidence in the God above gave him hope. Is our influence the same? Is our influence such that those who are with us can trust our word when we say, go to my God, he can save you. He can bring healing. He can give you life. In Testimonies, Volume 3, page 170, the following is written. The greatest responsibility rests upon the church at Battle Creek to live and walk in the light and to preserve their simplicity and separation for the world, from the world that their influence may tell with convincing power upon strangers to the truth who attend our meetings. If the church at Battle Creek is a lifeless body, filled with pride, exalted above the simplicity of true godliness, leaning to the world, its influence will be to scatter from Christ and to make the most solemn and essential truths of the Bible of no force. The members of this church have opportunities to be benefited by the lectures from the physicians of the Health Institute. They can obtain information upon the subject of health reform if they desire it. But the church at Battle Creek, who make great profession of the truth, are far behind other churches who have not been blessed with the advantages that they have. The neglect of the church to live up to the light which they have had upon health reform is a discouragement to the physicians and to the friends of the Health Institute. If the church would manifest a greater interest in the reforms which God himself has brought to them to fit them for his covenant coming, their influence would be tenfold what it is now. Is our influence and our experience in the faith such that someone can come to us and we can bring a tenfold influence than what we see right now? Are we living 
Are we living the Bible faith that God has given us? If we would cooperate with the divine in our lives and live up to the light that God has given us in the health message as individuals and corporately in the church, what an influence we would have. Dare I say, we would have a tenfold influence. Reading on in 2 Kings chapter 5, he goes and he brings a letter to the king of Israel and he says, um, Naaman has come unto thee, you recover him. And here is one of the saddest parts in the entire story. And it came to pass that when the king of Israel, verse 7, had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, see how he seeketh to quarrel against me. Am I God that I should save, that I should do? Am I supposed to bring the healing? Sadly, it has been my own experience, times when patients came to me. They had seen many physicians, had every test done in the book, and I am weeping by my bed the night before thinking, am I God that I am going to heal them? Where is my mind misplaced? I am not God, and God knows that. When he, he knew that when he called me. It is not my job to heal, but the human cooperates with the divine to allow the divine to be who he is, to be the God that he is. Seemingly impossible cases come before us. She's lost. She's hopeless. It can't get any better. He's gone too far. It's not going to work. But if we have experienced the healing in our own lives, we know that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think in the life of another that he brings to us. Will we be like the disciples who got caught up in self and self-ambition and neglected their time alone in worship, as recorded in Mark chapter 9, such that they were able to do nothing for the demon-possessed boy whose desperate father came to them for help? Only by prayer and fasting, Jesus told them. Only when the human cooperates with the divine. Only then can desperate souls be helped. Have we been spending our time with God in the midst of our busyness and all the planning that we have to do? Have we cherished that time with God knowing, knowing how much we cannot do in and of our own strength and how much more we need to draw the strength of Him? Have we, in the time away from God, been de developing those talents and those gifts that he gave us to be used in service of him? Or have we been sitting idly, 
sitting idly such that when we are caught unaware with a need of someone, we're unable to do anything and the focus comes back to self because our eyes have not been on the divine one. Are we ready to cooperate with the divine son of God who brought those weary souls to us? Read on as we look in verse 10. Elisha has at this point taken, um, taken a stand and said, look, there is something that we can do. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come to thee again, and you will be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord of his God and strike a hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abna and Farfar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away in rage. You've had that experience before? Someone comes to you for help, and you use the gifts and the skills that God had thought, given to you to use. And you're thinking, well, God brought them. I did what I was supposed to. They're going to jump up and down, and they're going to follow it, and they're going to go through, and it's going to be great, right? Every time, right? Well, what if they don't? What if they're disappointed in what you had to offer them? What if they don't really trust? Are you willing to still stand by the conviction that God gave you a work to do and that you are able to believe in the work that God is doing in and through you for them? Will you stand by and still pray for them that God can do the work through them that is needed? You and I have probably seen it, especially those who have worked in the Lifestyle Center. They came. They wanted a magic pill. They heard the wonderful things that everybody had experienced at Weimar, at Wildwood, at Uchi Pines, at the Brackets, at, at Dr. Um, Hess's office. They came in. They were looking for a miracle. And then they found out what it took. You want me to walk around the half-mile loop? I can't even get to the door. You want me to walk in the hot sun, in the rain? It's too cold. It's too dark. It's too early. I need to eat what? Haystacks? Then you want me to go through a car wash? I thought you would call down upon the God of heaven and bring me healing. If it takes time, will you persist and work prayerfully on behalf of those that come for help? Nope, no, 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 no. I thought I was gonna get a spa treatment, healing mineral water. But here's the thing, if I went home cured, 
they went home cured, in that way, they would likely go home in the same condition that they came. And God is interested in something more than that. Are not Abna and Farfar better than all of these? That faith healer on that TV show, he seems more exciting than this. Is this all you have to offer me? Will our faith remain that God is still able to work? Read verse 13, 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 13. And his servants came nearer and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? How much rather when he says, Wash and be clean. Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a child and he was clean. What love these servants had for that master. It's their master. Yet they were telling him what to do. They cared enough to go against his wishes. They had trust in what that little girl had to say. They saw her faith, and they believed there was something to what, what she had said. So he looks at dingy, dirty Jordan, and he looks at his sores and his rotting flesh, and then the human cooperates with the divine. And he goes under once, twice, three times, seven times. I like to think that he used the seven doctors under the umbrella of the chief physician, the trust in God. And he's made whole. Naaman just wanted physical healing, and he would have paid Elisha anything for the big show and the healing. But instead of using the big show that would glorify Elisha, Elisha, likely instructed by God, uses a method that would point Naaman back to God. Look at what Naaman's response is then. Verse 15, And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company. He could have gone home, right? He was healed but you know that there was a true transformation in his heart, just like the leper, the one who, who went back. He goes back, stood before the man of God, and he said, Behold, now I know. Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. Now I know. Because Elisha chose to use God's method. Now Naaman knew there was a God in heaven. Do we work in such a way, cooperating with the divine, such that the people who come to us can say, now we know there is a God in heaven. Christian temperance and Bible hygiene um, Page 121, 
much of the prejudice that prevents the truth of the third angel's message from reaching the hearts of the people might be removed if more attention were given to health reform. When people become interested in this subject, the way is often prepared for the entrance of other truths. If they see we are intelligent with regard to health, they will be more ready to believe that we are sound on Bible doctrine. Are we intelligent in our approach to health? Have we taken advantage while we're here on campus of learning those health principles? Because oftentimes, I've had patients on this campus tell me it wasn't necessarily even what the physician said, but because somebody, and I don't even know who they were, on their walk around that half-mile loop shared with them the testimony of what God did in their life through the health message. And then they were able to believe and start cooperating with the divine. Just because you are not in that lodge does not mean that your influence is not great. Do our methods point to Christ? Are we cooperating with the divine that they can know for themselves that it is not us who rescued them, but God? Verse 16. But he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Elisha could have taken the money, but he didn't. When the healing comes, do we give the honor and the glory back to God? Ministry of Healing, page 119. When the crisis is safely passed and the success is apparent, let a few moments be spent with the patient in prayer. Give expression to your thankfulness for the life that, he, that has been spared. As words of gratitude flow from the patient to the physician, let the praise and the thanksgiving be directed to God. Tell the patient his life has been spared because he was under the heavenly physician's protection. The physician who follows such a course is leading his patient to the one upon whom he is dependent for life, the one who can save to the uttermost all who come to him. The final part of the cooperation with the divine is giving the glory back to God. It's not in how intelligent or eloquent that we are, but how wise our God is who has taught us. Because we only have that knowledge because of him. Let's go back to another operating room. This is the one here on the West Coast. The mission of this operating room, recreating the image of God in man. In the beginning, God created man in his image. In the end of time, he is restoring that image in man. And as he does this, God invites man into his delicate, 
cardio neurosurgery suite, heart and brain surgery for the human being. <laughs> Look at this surgery suite. The team is comprised of those who have been through the surgery themselves. Some still have their own bandages because they have newly been worked on. Others bear only the scars, but together they aid the chief physician as he imparts to them his wisdom and aid. The team has gained some and has lost some. They're grateful. They're grateful to the chief for what he has done for them and motivated by his love for them, they have become a part of the team and they have brought others to the physician for healing. Some are part of the heart team. Some are part of the brain team. Some are part of the digestive team and still others, the musculoskeletal team. Every member is needed and the loss of any part of the team cripples the entire team. The chief physician motions to one patient. We're almost done giving her a new heart and a new brain. But you, pointing to you, you've been through this and this is just the beginning for her. I need you to teach her how to care for the new parts. You in nutrition, you're going to need to teach her what is harmful and beneficial to make those parts work optimally to maintain and keep those parts so she can be fully effective in what I've called her to do. You in physical therapy, she needs to unlearn bad habits in the way she's used her arms and relearn new ways for the new functioning of her brain to mobilize her arms for the work. Each of you here must teach her how to search for others and to bring them to me so they too can be healed. The question is, have you experienced the surgery, the transforming work in your own life? And are you willing to do what is necessary to use the gifts and the talents that God has given to be able to help another person bring healing who can then bring another person, who can then bring another person who can then bring all of us so we can go home. Are you part of the team? Will the human cooperate with the divine? We'll bow our heads. Father in heaven, tonight, We've heard the story of Naaman, and we've seen different characters in this. We've seen the little child who experienced the peace and the joy that came from you and willingly shared that with her captor, with her enemy. We saw the king who didn't have that experience and who thought it was his job to do the healing. And he lost an opportunity. We saw Elisha, 
who chose to cooperate with you on behalf of Naaman. And we saw Naaman himself, as a result, cooperate with you and come to a full realization of who you really were. And so I'm asking you, search our hearts. In here, Lord, are some who have not had the surgery done to their hearts, and they need it. And Father, I'm asking you, in this moment, while our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if there is someone who has not, who has not accepted the surgery that needs to be done, who has not learned what needs to be done and submitted themselves into your hands, a chief physician, I'm asking that person, if they feel the conviction, to please raise their hand to you and to ask you for the help, knowing that you will answer that. Father, there are some in here who have had the surgery, but we haven't taken time to learn how to care for the body parts that you place in us. We haven't learned of the gospel or the health ministry, and you called us to be medical missionaries, and you called us to be wise in the gospel, but we haven't followed through. And I'm asking that if you are one of those, Father, would you move on the heart that they would raise their hand to heaven and ask, please, to allow you to do the work as they abide in you, not because they are wise or because they are strong, but as they abide in you, that you would work in them to will and to do of your good pleasure. Father, there are those who have trained, who are training, but they're wondering what can they do. And I am asking that you would place in their heart the burden that you are calling them to, that you would open their eyes with heavenly eyes out to see their condition, but also the condition of those around them that they may be willing to serve in whatever capacity you've called them to do. And finally, Lord, I ask for every one of us here tonight, may we each day, may we wake up kneeling before your feet, your throne, asking for your help, your Holy Spirit, that you so freely give that not one opportunity, not one soul would pass us by that you brought to us. I beg and I plead of you that when we go to bed and rest our head on our pillow, we would know that we fully allowed you to use us. Teach us how to cooperate with you and we can go home. We thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit 
www.audioverse.org.